actual serpent in the garden. I do not believe that it was an actual serpent. I believe the Genesis 3 account was given so that anyone of any age or maturity could understand original sin. Mm. Uh, I believe that it is um, far more complex than that because you you uh, begin to look at um, Ezekiel chapter 38, I believe. I may be wrong on the reference, but it, Ezekiel chapter 38, it talks about the trees in the garden. Mm. And the trees are always a type of of people, their type of personalities. And so we're, we're basically saying that God was basically using the tree as a metaphor of something that this entity carried that was not good to take in. Mm. And uh, so now, listen, I'm all fine with the snake deal. I don't have any problem. <laughs> right, I don't want to make right. anybody mad about sure, it at sure. all. But when you look at the word Nakash, it means shining one. And uh, it uh, in in it talks about any other beast of the field. That's kind of um, kind of blind to us. It it means living creature. Mm. It says and any living creature. So living creatures aren't just physical that we can touch, but right. there are unseen living sure, creatures sure. as well. So you know we're talking about an entity uh, that is interacting with our first parents mm-hmm. and it has intimate contact with right of course eden was the place in which god and man were to walk and operate in so angelic beings had access to that area so when adam and eve transgressed and sinned that separated mm. you know that there was yeah. separation right. caused there so i believe that um they were warned, of course, in, in Genesis yep. chapter 3, sure, sure. they were warned, yeah. guard and keep the garden. You don't use those terms if if there is not an enemy. In fact, he tells them to subdue, subdue the earth. Well, obviously, there was something that was yeah. antagonistic sure. in opposition. So I believe the fall of Lucifer was before the creation, the, the recreation mm-hmm. of the earth. And uh, that Adam was clearly warned. And then when this shows up, he begins to, you know, entice and deceive Eve because Eve was deceived. It was Adam that willfully partook of the fruit. Yeah. And uh, it, it basically says that this enchantment came upon and there was a seduction that began Mm. to happen. It's amazing. Now I'm not, I'm not going there, but it's amazing to me that, the the seductive treatment that is used in the text and also in the other texts that refer back to it, especially from the Apostle Paul, you know, in regards to I have espoused you as as a as a uh, virgin to Christ, and then he talks about and then he immediately talks about how that Eve was seduced, right? You know, so mm-hmm. I'm not saying that there was sexual activity but there was intimate activity that was contrary to what god wanted and desired for our parents yeah yeah and and so you know i i I just don't see it as simply as just a snake coming up there and and beginning to tempt her to to eat some kind of fruit that she was forbidden to eat right right so boy there's a lot there um 
it's a it's complex and it probably yeah. left it too open ended. Yeah, yeah. But so let me ask you this then, since we're here, do you think that because you mentioned that you think the fall of of Satan or Lucifer was prior to this? Do you think? So some people would say, well, it's hard for me to think that God would just loose the devil, you know, on Adam and Eve like that. Uh, and I've heard some people kind of posit that they believe, uh, based on Ezekiel 28, 13 through whatever, that Lucifer or Satan was there sort of as God's emissary prior to his fall. He was in the garden sort of as ambassador and then somehow saw something in them that he coveted. And then, you know, carried out this, mm-hmm. this, um, deception on her and essentially was given her authority through mm-hmm. that act and, mm-hmm. and Adam's act. So what, what do you say to that? And is it, is there a tie in to Ezekiel? Well, um, if we look at the, the, the imagery that Ezekiel writes about, we see that, uh, Lucifer was clothed mm-hmm. with, um, the various stones. Right. Uh, he was clothed with, I, I believe, seven of them or nine of them. There were 12 altogether in the high priest uh, in the Levitical priesthood. Um, I believe that Lucifer was a priest. I believe that he was a part of the divine council. Is that the Urim and the Thummim and yes. so forth? He That's was, very uh, obscure stuff, yes, isn't it? yes. So I believe that he represented a priesthood. He was a, a guardian of the presence of God okay. because he's a cherubim. Right, right. And uh, so he's a different classification of, of an angelic being. Um, so there's some interesting things. I, I Hopefully I've got them written down here in Colossians. I, I have my own notes. But uh, when you when you look at uh, look at him, his name isn't really necessarily Lucifer. That's kind of you know what um, oh the Latin Vulgate kind mm-hmm. of used. You know, so Latin is kind of right. But uh, his name is uh, Ben Halel Sahar, so it's Halel, and and it it means. Uh, if you break down the name, the word hey or the letter hey mm-hmm. means to behold or to reveal right. or to give a window to something. Mm-hmm. So here we get the Prometheus myth, you know. Yeah, yeah. So basically, if you would talk to a modern-day Luciferian, which there are a lot of them in, mm-hmm. in our institutions today, Luciferians, they would tell you that Lucifer was the light bringer. And that he is getting a bad rap because of the powers that be in reference to our loving father is suppressing truth and Mm. suppressing human potential. The same lie that was told to Eve. Sure. So a Luciferian believes that he's Prometheus. He stole fire and he brought it down to humans and now he's the bad guy. And he's being punished for it. And he's being punished for it. And so they make him very sympathetic. They make him a sympathetic character. Sure. And you begin to see this also in Hollywood. There's not one villain in a movie in the last 20 years that does not have a sympathetic story arc, mm-hmm. including the Joker, which right. is an absolute horrible sure. Uh, you know, individual, mm-hmm. but yet we get his backstory. 
He's been victimized. Yeah, yeah. He's operating from a realm of victimization. Yeah. I've been there. That sure. was done to me too. Yeah. You know, and so basically we create this whole culture where it's okay. It's okay to do those things. If because, you're victimized, yeah. right. And it's just like uh, Better Call Saul, very popular mm-hmm, mm-hmm. show. But it shows this very uh, narcissistic, selfish individual that doesn't care for anybody but himself. But because we see the pain of his past, we're to somehow accept that that behavior is actually just a normal response. It's just okay, yeah. And then yeah. you see Disney movies like Maleficent. Mm, okay, right. you remember as kids when we saw that witch, you know, when we yeah, saw sure, that, sure. I mean, that was scary to us. Right, right. I mean, she was a villain. Right. But she's made sympathetic. Oh, she just had this. She faced you rejection. you tell the story from her point of right. view, which paints it in a different light. And that's the old proverb we talked about the other day, the proverb that says, when the wolf tells a story, the shepherd is always the enemy. Right. So we have this upside down world where he's revealing, beholding. He's wanting to show us secrets. He's wanting to show us things that will maximize our human potential and take us to a higher level of consciousness or a right. higher level of living. And God, through his rules and regulations, is keeping us down. He's, he's, he's imposing his will upon, and Lucifer is here to open the door. To free, to, to liberate. Free us, to liberate us sexually. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. the main thing is, you know, if you look at... Uh, um, the Kundalini, you know, the the um, the Kundalini spirit that that's in Hindu, and uh, the chakra, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. they it it's amazing. <laughs> it always starts with the genitals, you know. It always, you know, you know, and, it up, and that's really the ruse is <laughs> yeah. free yourself from sexually, the restraints yeah, yeah. sexually, because it opens the doorway to the mind. Think about that when it comes to uh, one night stands, <laughs> things of that nature. Sure, sure. I could have a relationship with a woman and it be totally on the up and up and fine. But the minute I get sexually involved with her, it changes the dynamic of it. Yeah. Now I not only have her as an acquaintance, I've got her in my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, all of a sudden now I'm controlled by their emotions. I'm controlled what she thinks about me. I'm controlled. And that's the whole thing. So yeah. he, you know, it's. It, I was telling you about Aleister Crowley and yeah, how yeah. that he was Kinsey, who yeah. brought in all this sex stuff. You know, in yeah. the nineteen fifties, yeah. he was a Crowleyite, and uh, so this was meant as a psychological operation mm-hmm. to bring, behold, reveal your sexuality is who you are. Right. This is who you are. This yeah. is the religion, and we're seeing that continue yeah. and even, uh, you know, propagated in. Mm-hmm. In furtherance, even in our culture today, sure, you know. So now it's not just the liberty here, but it's you know whatever you want it to be. Is and what then it, it went on into um, a uh, a doctor by the name of Money, who created what we know as the modern transgender movement. And so you've got you know Kinsey, and then you've yeah. got Money, and you've got these various yeah. players that are basically just as. The apostles and prophets wrote this book. They're writing things. They're writing papers that are infecting 
yeah. uh, whole cultures taught in universities, which yeah. are basically seminaries for secularism. Sure. And so you're 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 getting you know they're writing their Bible. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's writing, what it is. You know. So. You know, all that is predicated on this rigid authoritarian figure called God mm-hmm. when really, and like you said earlier, we could take this all the way back to the garden where mm-hmm. Adam and Eve didn't, they already had everything. Mm-hmm. They were already given everything. They didn't have a sin consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that's what the tree of good and evil or the understanding of good and evil mm-hmm. gave them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, sin is the power there or the laws, the power of sin. Mm-hmm. So once they knew that, then they were destined to, to live sinfully. Mm-hmm. Um, but God's already liberated us from the beginning, and now in Christ, it's the same. So the, the enemy's peddling the same lie, mm-hmm. that there's something that you need that you don't have. Right. You're being with When the Lord. freedom within yeah. Christ and the freedom within godly relationships and the freedom within godly sexual relationships mm-hmm. is nothing you know the enemy can't compete with those things mm-hmm. well it's it's the same thing you know adam and eve knew god as yahweh which is the very personal name of god mm-hmm. it is also the redemptive name of right. god they knew him if you look at the text in the third chapter of genesis the enemy doesn't use yahweh he uses elohim mm. and elohim is impersonal Right. And so when we say, I believe in God, well, up until about the last five years, no one had a problem with that. Right. Okay. Or in God we trust. They wouldn't have a problem with that because it's impersonal. But when you start saying Jesus, then it takes it to a whole other place. And so he he impersonalizes God, Mm -hmm. makes him look like. This mechanical, you know, we were talking about the Star Wars franchise. Mm -hmm. Okay. I actually read a paper where the guy actually said, you know, the Empire wasn't really that bad. It was really the rebels that were doing all the killing. And that's certainly true. But that's that's the way the story arcs are in this fallen world. It's always upside down. Sure. It's always from the opposite. And so God, God, which is representative of the Empire, is mechanical, is cold is impersonal you know and and then of course with thanos in the in the uh, marvel universe okay thanos is coming to bring um balance to creation which jesus is going to come and bring balance to the creation uh you know he he is going to take care of business right and uh they would rather fight for a fallen crooked nasty world than embrace what this entity was going to put. Now, I'm not saying Thanos is the hero sure, here. Yeah. What I'm saying is... is It's not Thanos, an exact yes, application, but it's certainly similar. But Thanos represents Yahweh in their mm-hmm. mind. Yeah, You have the Avengers, which are hybrid beings and demigods, along with humans, fighting for their existence. Does that sound like something? Sounds like Armageddon. Yeah. So yeah. You, you've got this upside-down view, because in the eyes of the wolf, Shepherd is always the enemy. Mm-hmm. And so every story arc that we see is always in favor of rebellion. It's always in favor of breaking the rules, rebel without a cause, mm-hmm. things of that nature. Sure. Those are embraced in our culture. Why? Because the whole world lies in the power of the wicked one, and the wicked one is at 
his core a rebel. That's why it almost seems like no matter what party's in power, the pressure is always against that party mm-hmm. because the, they're the establishment at the moment and everybody wants to push against them.